Ever tell a patient, I know what you're going through? Could you really know without actually having a serious illness yourself? One way to learn is role-playing. What better way to learn than from our special guest, Emmy Award-winning actor, Christian Clemenson. You're listening to ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Bill Rutenberg, your host, and with me today is Christian Clemenson. Christian Clemenson is best known to us for his portrayal of Jerry Hans Espenson, the brilliant attorney with Asperger's Syndrome on Boston Legal. Mr. Clemenson is a graduate of Harvard University and the Yale School of Drama. He has appeared in a number of major motion pictures, most recently United 93, and on television in NYPD Blue, The West Wing, CSI, and many others. Today we are discussing how Mr. Clemenson becomes Jerry Espenson on Boston Legal, and perhaps in doing so, give us a better understanding of our patients' feelings. Hi, Chris. Thanks so much for joining us today. It's my pleasure. Thank you very much. When you accepted the role, did it come with a sense of responsibility? Well, it was interesting. The role, as originally written, was a three-episode arc. And what nobody told me at first was that the character had Asperger's syndrome. Oh, really? No. They knew it, and it was deliberately written that way. In fact, one of the executive producers of the show has a child with Asperger's, which was sort of the, the source of the entire character. And it was interesting. It was just happening at the time when Asperger's was beginning to sort of percolate in the popular press. And I, I had just become aware of it as an actual disorder shortly before I got the script. And I was reading it, and they described his behavior, but they didn't say what condition he had. They just described all these strange things, that he, he couldn't look at people, that his you know word choice was a little arcane, and sentence structure was very complicated. He was obsessively interested in detail, in minutia, in the law, and had this enormous knowledge of it that all other lawyers sort of took advantage of. And I, it just occurred to me looking at it, and I thought, you know, because I was trying to figure out how to play someone with all these odd things, and it just occurred to me, like, well, maybe he has this thing I've read about called Asperger's. And so I just kept it to myself, and I said, I just made this decision that he had Asperger's. And then I got the next script, and I get diagnosed with Asperger's. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's sort of a fascinating, especially coming out of California, where there, quote, was a supposedly great increase in the incidence of autism and Asperger's syndrome over the past 10 years. And, of course, that's subject to yes, better diagnosis I, I think first. We never know if there's an actual increase or if there's just an increase in the diagnosis of it, but certainly we are much more aware of it now. Yeah. What sort of research did you do about Asperger's syndrome? Well, I had to do, because of the requirements of television, at the first was just sort of down and dirty, find out whatever I could, you know, uh, that's where Wikipedia becomes very helpful. <laughs> uh, yes. From there, you can branch off, and I found out a lot of information really quickly. As the role progressed, and those three episodes became six episodes, became 12, became 25, became now, I'm a regular on the show, the wonderful thing is that I was afforded more time, more opportunity to do more research. And there have been several books that I've read that have been really helpful. But the two I really would love to mention are there is an animal behavioralist named Temple Grandin, and she designs cattle stockyards. I think something like almost three-quarters of the cattle stockyards in the United States are designed by her. And she's written some wonderful books about 
in her case, she has autism, I believe. I don't mm-hmm. think she has Asperger's, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. that book was very helpful. But most helpful of all was a book by an English mathematician named Daniel Tammet, T-A-M-M-E-T, and the book is called Born on a Blue Day. And he has Asperger's, and it was really amazing to read that book. And that was, I think, the most helpful thing that I've read. And what both of them described is this way Asperger's people think, where you don't think the way I do, which I don't want to use the word a normal person because that's wrong, but the way they think is, there's a word for it, synesthesia, I think, where their thoughts are often colors or images or things like that. That was the hardest thing for me to sort of understand as an actor and try to find some way to replicate. Having gained that insight, does that affect the script? Are you involved at all in the writing or if something is given to you and it doesn't ring true, are you able to modify that or rewrite? I'm in the wonderful position of being in a show where David E. Kelly writes our scripts and he is the best writer on television there. I agree with that 100%. (laughs) People like to use the word genius loosely out here, but he is, you know, one case where it is absolutely earned. He, first of all, he writes so many episodes. In a season that lasts 22 episodes, he will write, oh, probably 15 to 20 episodes totally himself. Every script we've done so far this year, his name has been on the script. No other writer does that on television. Usually, if you write four scripts in a season, that's doing a lot. So, you know, he really is this genius. And so I'm in the lucky position of getting these scripts where he's done all the work already. We are reaching a point where I know more about Jerry than anyone else. And so as television shows go on, sort of the keeper of all the information eventually becomes the actor himself. Because, of course, writing staffs change and come and go. And so I do occasionally have to remind people of, what it means to have Asperger's, what exactly he can do, and what he'd have difficulties doing. But also keeping in mind that it is a television show, and Jerry is a human being, and nothing is written in stone, and of course people can behave in ways they wouldn't before. So, yes, there is input to answer your question, but luckily there doesn't need to be much input. I'd like to welcome those who are just joining us. You're listening to ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Bill Rutenberg, and with me today is Emmy Award-winning actor Christian Clemenson. We're discussing how an actor can teach us to understand our patients. You mentioned the behaviors, the gestures. Jerry has three very obvious ones. He hops, he purrs, he has his hand gesture. People with autism have a number of other gestures. How are these chosen, and are some of them more difficult for you to play than others? The hands on the thighs was at first the most difficult thing. And I also, it took me a while to sort of understand them. I mean, they seem sometimes to be almost like Tourette's syndrome in a way, but they're a little different. You know, Tourette's seem to be true tics and jerky things, whereas Mm -hmm. with Asperger's, it's more like a ritual almost that they have to go through. Yeah, I think that's the term that's used. Uh Yes, and because as an actor, you are used to using your hands expressively. And suddenly I was not able to do that. And it was really hard to get used to that. Actually, I was in the middle of filming a few of the episodes for 
Boston Legal when I had to go to London to do United 93, and suddenly to have my hands free again, it was quite <laughs> it was very different. In fact, I found I used my arms much less, and I was much more comfortable with my hands just sort of hanging at my sides, as they probably normally do most of life. And now I have to say I'm at the point where all of these odd gestures are really comforting in a way, and I sort of have a new appreciation of them, because it almost works as where in a scene when things become a little overwhelming for Jerry, mm-hmm, there mm-hmm. are these rituals to always fall back on. So these are not scripted, but it's you can oh, do this when you are, feel it? They're, they're largely scripted. I do at this point add some myself, especially as we rehearse a scene and we see how it sort of plays out emotionally. Then there are times when it seems like, oh, this, this would be where a purr or something would be helpful. So mostly they're scripted, but sometimes it comes out of rehearsal as well. For doctors, the past medical history often gives insight into our patients' current illnesses and their current situations. As an actor, does Jerry have a backstory? Does he have a past history that you've given him? He does, yes. And what was sad about Jerry for so long is that he was not diagnosed till you know a 40-year-old man. And we've learned in episodes that will be coming up this season, we learn more about what his life was like before diagnosis. Oh, that's going to be so fascinating. Yes. And his before his friendship with Alan Shore, Alan Shore, to whom he really owes so much, first for the diagnosis, for recognizing what he had. But yeah, there does seem to be a, a family correlation to the syndrome. And his father, apparently, we learn, had Asperger's syndrome. His father was a mathematician. Actually, you know, at this point, I have so developed Jerry's own story in my head. I don't know how much the story I've developed and what has actually been told on television. But in my head, Jerry's father is a mathematician, which <laughs> sort of made sense to me. In fact, he's teaching at Cornell, recently <laughs> retired. And you're a Yale and a Harvard yes, guy. I, know. I mean, my God, Cornell? <laughs> Far above Cayuga's waters? Somehow being stuck out in Cornell <laughs> just seemed appropriate. <laughs> well, I got to Cornell as a kid. I know this is the Booney's dad, and I went to the University of Pennsylvania. But not quite Harvard. But yes. <laughs> you got that Ivy blood. Right. Um, having become Jerry, does he ever leave the set? Uta Hagen, I sort of, I became a doctor because my parents said, well, you're good, but you might not make Broadway. So you have something oh, to fall back on. Because my fallback position was always to be a doctor. I, in fact, I took my MCATs. I took all my pre-med courses in school. Well, I understand you've been a flight surgeon and you were also <laughs> Dr. Dale Lawrence. Yes, I, I was going to ask you, is that something you might have become if you didn't? become an actor. Yes. I mean, it's hard to believe, but a doctor was the fallback. That was my safety <laughs> position. <laughs> yeah, and my friend said, don't quit your day job. Right. right. <laughs> glad, you, <laughs> glad you didn't. <laughs> yeah, me too. Yes, me but, too. Uh, Although I still think if my mother were alive today, even after winning the Emmy, she was always sending me articles about somebody at the age of 40 entering medical school. <laughs> <laughs> well, my parents told me the opposite. And yes. <laughs> they, they reminded me of several physicians uh, who, after they had their whole career, went and became actors. <laughs> yes. You have that to look forward to. <laughs> yeah. Something to do in retirement. Right. Um, in one of the books I read, you know, good old acting 101, Uta Hagen talks about being the person outside of the set. She talked to the example she gave was learning a dialect that she would walk around and speak in a British accent. Does Jerry ever leave the set? Uh, you said you've become <laughs> him does. so much. <laughs> there are certain things he does that I love to do so much that I do them off the set. And, you know, the purring, I don't know why, but the purring is very comforting. <laughs> and I find myself doing it in the oddest situations. 
The hands on the thighs, probably not so much, but I do have to say, as a result of Jerry, I use my hands much less. That's uh, really like I used fascinating. I a big gesturer, mm-hmm. and now not so much. Because some of his behaviors are so foreign to me, to make them appear natural, lived in, if you will, I do have to sort of try them in, in the most you know, normal situations outside of work so that I can become so comfortable with them that they're second nature. I'd like to thank Christian Clemenson for being my guest. We've been discussing how an actor becomes his character and how that process can help us gain understanding of our patient's daily life. I leave you with these words by Adrian Flynn, who lives with Asperger's syndrome. Locked in a body that knows how to function. This mind knows the rules, but not how to speak. Rehearsed interaction is labored, but managed. Learning language and actions, but still feeling meek. I'm Dr. Bill Rutenberg, and you've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. We welcome your comments and questions. Please visit us at ReachMD.com and explore our new on-demand and podcast features. Thanks for listening. I wish you good day and good health.